After introducing three new coordinators on Thursday, Mike McDonald continues to build an impressive coaching staff with several more assistants incoming. I'm going to be breaking down all the reported hires on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week, whether you're listening in nearby Marysville, Washington, or across the country in Birmingham, Alabama. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. The Seahawks continuing to build their staff. They introduced their three coordinators yesterday. A number of offensive assistants being reported as hired for the Seahawks. We'll be discussing those, plus a new special teams coach that has officially been announced. Plus, will Noah Fant be back in 2024, our latest free agent primer as we gear up for the NFL offseason. This episode is brought your way by Game Time. Make sure to check out the Game Time site so that you can get Top prices for the best tickets on the market. Again, that is game time. Make sure to check it out and get your best tickets for the best price. Guaranteed. Now for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Mike McDonald has done an impressive job building his coaching staff so far with the coordinators, as we've mentioned on the show Maybe taking a little bit of a gamble, having three first-time NFL coordinators on offense, defense, and special teams, but he has done a stellar job of adding experienced assistants to go with those young coordinators, and that trend continued yesterday, and we learned about this news actually during Jay Harbaugh's introductory press conference as Seattle's new special teams coach. He ended up dropping some news before anybody else did that Devin Fitzsimmons, a longtime special teams assistant in the league, would be coming to Seattle to provide a bit of help, a bit of a tutor there for Harbaugh as he navigates the NFL as a special teams coordinator for the first time. And you look at the resume for this particular coach, Devin Fitzsimmons, again, he has been in the league for a while, 10 seasons as an NFL coach. He started that run with the Indianapolis Colts back in 2011 as an offensive quality control coach. Then he went to college for a few seasons at Rutgers and Delaware, respectively, was an offensive assistant, then was a special teams coordinator. His longest run was actually in Detroit from 2014 to 2018. Quandre Diggs was one current Seahawk that was on that team that will know Devin Fitzsimmons well. He played special teams early in his career, so he worked with Devin Fitzsimmons. Fitzsimmons then was at Arizona and Carolina over the past three seasons. And you look at those three years in Arizona and Carolina, the Seahawks know the Cardinals quite well being an NFC West rival. But during the 2021 season, Matt Prater put up the second most points by a kicker in Cardinals history. And Andy Lee set a franchise record averaging 49 yards per punt. So Fitzsimmons had really good special teams units in Arizona 
during those seasons on Cliff Kingsbury's staff. One of those years, they made the playoffs, and a big part of that was that they did have one of the better special teams units in football. So the Seahawks know him well from that time. And even last year in Carolina, Raheem Blackshear was one of the best kick returners in the NFL. You know, Carolina had a really rough season, and Fitzsimmons was playing for an interim coach for a chunk of the year. This guy has consistently had good special teams. The Lions had good special teams units when he was there. And so, as Jay Harbaugh said, you're bringing in a smart coach that has been around the block, easily relates with players. He's going to be an incredible resource for Jay Harbaugh coming in as a special teams assistant. And the fact that he has coached a few other positions at the NFL level, he's only had the offensive quality control experience but at the college level he has coached tight ends before so I don't know that he will be involved in that capacity I anticipate he's just going to be strictly doing special teams but this is a really good hire to bring in that can assist a first-time special teams coordinator Jay Harbaugh a guy that's been around the block he's been a special teams coordinator before at the college level he's always just been an assistant in the NFL but still he's been on NFL staffs for a decade worth of experience He's been with multiple teams. He's worked under multiple head coaches. To me, this is an excellent fit, the type of coach they needed to add with all these young coordinators. And I think they continued that trend as well on the offensive side of the ball. Now, this one has not officially been announced by the Seahawks yet. None of the other hires I'm going to be talking about have been released officially. But based on the conversations that I've had, these three coaches will be joining Mike McDonald's staff. And we're going to start with Jake Peets, who is a familiar name for some NFC West fans because he has been the past game specialist for the Los Angeles Rams the last two seasons. And he has a really interesting resume as well. When you look at, at Peets, he is well-traveled. And the resume on YouTube that I'm showing for fans, and I'll go through this for those of you that are just listening on audio this is not all of Jake Pete's stops. He has been around the block in college and the NFL, and you see a lot of coaches with resumes like this where they bounce around, but he's had success pretty much everywhere that he's been. He was an assistant quarterback coach for Jacksonville in 2012. He was offensive quality control for Washington in 2014. That particular staff had Sean McVay and several other future head coaches on it. In Oakland with the Raiders, he was an offensive assistant, and then he was an assistant quarterback coach. And then by 2017, he was the quarterback coach. And maybe the best part of his resume, in my opinion, what he did in Carolina, the two seasons he was with the Panthers, he wore two different hats. He was the running back coach in 2019. He was the quarterback coach in 2020. And the 2019 season, Christian McCaffrey had over 2,000 total yards. He led the league in all scrimmage yards. And he became just the second player in NFL history to have over 1,000 rushing yards and 100 receptions. And so Pete was the coach that was overseeing that success. McCaffrey was banged up the next season for Carolina. But at that point, Pete was coaching quarterbacks. And Teddy Bridgewater had a decent season as the starter for Carolina. He was not inheriting a quarterback room that had a lot of talent, not necessarily a long-term option at quarterback, but did a solid job there. And he turned that into an offensive coordinator gig for a year at LSU. That was a struggle because of the quarterback situation that he inherited and ended up being the final season for that coaching staff in general. And we saw them go out and get Brian Kelly from Notre Dame, but still he was the OC. He was the quarterback coach at LSU for a year. And then the last two seasons, he's had his hands on the passing game for the Los Angeles Rams this past year, worked 
hands-on with Matthew Stafford and the receivers. We saw the year that Puka Nakua had for the Rams. So I think this is another really interesting hire. Even though Pete's is not necessarily an older coach, he was a name that was getting thrown around in some circles as an offensive coordinator candidate for a few teams, and he has done it in the SEC. So he's got that experience working for him. So to be able to bring in a guy like this and take him away from Sean McVay's staff on top of that, that's a little bit of a cherry on top here when you can hire a coach who has been working for a division rival with one of the strengths of that football team, their passing game, being able to bring him in, a guy that has been in the NFL for a long time with a number of teams. He's worked for some really good coaches. That is another really good resource for Ryan Grubb, who, like Jay Harbaugh, yeah, he's coached a long time at the college level, but he has never been an offensive coordinator in the NFL. So having somebody who has been involved as a pass game specialist, has quarterback been a quarterback coach, coached running backs. This guy's coached a number of different positions. And so to be able to bring him in to work with Ryan Grubb and provide some assistance for him, I think is a big deal. Again, this move has not officially been announced yet by the Seahawks, but I would anticipate maybe as early as this afternoon that the team will be announcing that this hire has been made and he will be joining the coaching staff as their passing game coordinator. I think this is a big addition for Ryan Grubb and this offensive staff, but maybe not the most exciting one. We're going to get to that coming up next year as we look at Seattle's reported new running back coach as well as receiver coaches. They continue to load up the assistance on the offensive side of the football. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. What a football game we witnessed to close off the season on Sunday. But as usual, the commercials stole the show in my book. DoorDash went all out for game day and DoorDash stuff from all the ads to one lucky winner. Cars, snacks, even tax software. DoorDash is the all-in app for your everyday needs. From restaurants and groceries to flowers and gifts. So next time you're running low on dinner ideas, pet supplies, or just time, you can get so much more than you realize delivered. Didn't have a chance to hit the grocery store last weekend after all the big game commotion? Or maybe your bar cart has been mysteriously cleared out after last weekend. Stock back up for the week ahead with delivery from DoorDash. Football season may be finished, but we're in the thick of basketball games. The school year baseball has now officially kicked off spring training. I can think of a million reasons to daily order from DoorDash. Hop on the app and make your day a little easier. Get dinner for tonight, groceries for the week, or a consolation prize for your sad friends down in San Francisco, all on DoorDash. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And make sure to check out Locked on's First ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked on Sports Today is here for your 24-7 coverage of the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Mike McDonald is continuing to assemble his first staff in Seattle now that we have Got all three coordinators introduced. It's all about the assistants below the coordinators. And these are maybe the most important hires, especially for a first-time head coach, because if you really want to compete in the NFL, you got to have every edge that you can from a coaching standpoint. And that goes all the way down to your position coaches, your offensive quality control, defensive quality control, 
everybody that is involved on staff, you need to get the best hires you can to get every edge possible. And so far, we'll see how things shake out in the end. But I think Mike McDonald has hit an absolute home run with the hires that he has made to this point. And I want to talk about the hire, and this is just the running back coach in me coming out of me that I'm most excited about. Chad Morton was a really solid running back coach during the Pete Carroll era, was here for a long time. But to hear the name Kennedy Palomalu and that he is going to be the new running back coach for the Seattle Seahawks, I have been told by multiple sources that indeed he is going to be hired for that position. This might be the hire so far that I personally am most excited about. Again, it's my running back background, but also we're talking about a coach. You want to talk about one hell of a resume. And Kennedy Palomalu has been in the league for a long time. He's been a college coach as well. And this is what maybe is the interesting factoid. Before we get to his running back, he was the special teams coordinator for Pete Carroll from 2001 to 2003. So you have that connection with the past Seahawks coach. In Cleveland and Jacksonville, he was the running back coach from 2004 to 2009. Then he goes back to USC. After Pete Carroll comes to Seattle, he becomes the offensive coordinator for three years. He coaches running backs at UCLA for a few years comes back to the NFL with the Vikings in the last two years with the Las Vegas Raiders. And so this guy, again, another coach that's coached a number of different places, but the track record speaks for itself. And we're talking about Kennedy, Kennedy Palomalu, and he is the uncle of Troy Palomalu. For those that are wondering if there's any relationship there, yes, they are related. He is the uncle of the Hall of Fame safety from the Steelers. But the running back background here is really what is most exciting about Kennedy Palomalu, the work that he has done in the National Football League. Just to put in perspective, he has had 7,000-yard rushers as a running back coach in the NFL. Fred Taylor, who was towards the end of his career, had a season in 2007 with over 1,200 yards where he averaged 5.4 yards per carry. and He was in his 30s at that point. That is unheard of in today's NFL. But he was able to squeeze two extra 1,000-yard seasons out of Fred Taylor. Maurice Jones-Drew's first breakout season over 1,300 yards, nearly 1,400 yards in 2009. Kennedy Palomali was the coach there in Jacksonville for all three of those seasons. And then after going back to college, he even spent a year coaching running backs at the high school level. When he returned to the NFL in 2018, the Minnesota Vikings had Dalvin Cook there, and if not for injuries, this could have been an even more extended list. He was on pace for well over 1,000 yards when he tore his ACL during his first season in Minnesota, but Cook returned, had three straight seasons with over 1,100 yards, including 1,557 yards that was during the 2020 COVID impact season. And most recently with the Raiders, last year they had some injuries. Josh Jacobs was not quite himself. But the year before, he led the NFL with over 1,600 rushing yards, had 12 rushing touchdowns for the Raiders. It seems like every team that Palomalu has coached for, he has been able to get the most out of his running backs. And the track record there speaks for itself. All those 1,000-yard rushers multiple runners that were in the top two or three in the league in rushing yards. And from my understanding, there were other teams that were interested in hiring him. Why not? I think he is a top three running back coach in this league. Maybe the best when you look at the track record with multiple teams. But he was intrigued by Ken Walker III and Zach Charbonnet. And why not? These two are extremely explosive, really fun, young backfield duo 
And that drew him to Seattle along with Mike McDonald, what his vision was. So Kennedy Palomalu is going to be the running backs coach. I think that this is an outstanding hire for this coaching staff. And it's another guy that's been around the block. He has coached a long time in the NFL. Ryan Grubb can turn to him for advice. He's been an offensive coordinator at the college level like Ryan Grubb has. So another guy that brings a wealth of experience to this coaching staff. And he's been really good at what he does, coaching running backs. As for the other reported hire, this is another one that has not been officially announced from the Seahawks standpoint. But this is a guy with a lot of experience beyond simply being a coach. And that is Frisman Jackson, who actually played five seasons for the Cleveland Browns early in their return to the NFL, 2002 to 2006. So not only has he been in the league and played at a high level, you look at what he's done both in college and in the NFL as a receivers coach. He's bounced around some, but at Baylor, when Matt Rule was coaching there, Denzel Mims became a thousand yard receiver, eventually was drafted in the NFL. Then he comes to Carolina in 2020. He has 2,000-yard receivers with the Panthers. DJ Moore and Robbie Chosen both eclipsed the 1,000-yard mark. And in 2021, Moore did it again. Then you look at the last two years in Pittsburgh, George Pickens with over 1,100 yards this year, despite the quarterback situation that the Pittsburgh Steelers had, with three different guys taking snaps, no franchise quarterback. Pickens led the league, averaging 18.1 yards per reception. So it might not be the sexiest resume we're looking here. This is not a guy that has coached future Hall of Famers. I mean, George Pickens has that kind of talent, but he's bounced around some. He's been with a number of different teams, but every team he's been on, he's been able to develop thousand yard receivers. He's had success with both young receivers and veterans like Robbie Chosen in that 2020 season in Carolina, maybe the best season of his NFL career was with Frisman Jackson as the receiver coach. And he's going to be inheriting the most talented receiver group that he has ever had in the NFL with DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith and Jigba, most likely Tyler Lockett, Jake Bobo, who Ryan Grubb name dropped yesterday. He's inheriting a very talented receiving group. And you've got an established quarterback that has put up really good numbers the last two years. It's a much different situation than what he had in Pittsburgh or even Carolina. Carolina did not have that established starting quarterback in the couple seasons that he was there working for Matt Rule on that staff. And so this is really going to be an ultimate test to see just how good of a receiving coach that Frisman Jackson is because he's going to be in the best situation he's been in as far as receiving talent to work with and going to have the best quarterback situation that he has had to work with since he's been in the league. The one year he was at Tennessee in 2017 – their leading receiver was Delaney Walker, the tight end. They didn't have a lot of talent at the receiver position, but this is a guy that has a really nice track record that's developing, talking with people in league circles, widely respected, not somebody that Pittsburgh really wanted to lose, but he gets to come now to Seattle, join Mike McDonald's staff, and why wouldn't you want to jump onto this team with the receivers, the quarterback, just the weapons that they have this is a really good opportunity for him to show what he can do with already established talent and see what he can do with Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jake Bobo in their second seasons. Can he push them up a couple notches and really make this receiving core a nightmare for opposing defenses to deal with? I think both these hires, Kennedy Palomalu and Frisman Jackson, are really good ones and both these guys have been in the league for a number of years. Again, Seattle needed to get some assistance that had experience in the league that have been around NFL talent 
they were able to do that, getting these two guys who, in the case of Palomalo, he's 60, he's a little older coach, but Frisman Jackson is still a relatively young coach that's trying to work his way up the ladder a little bit, has been a passing game coordinator at the college level previously. So this could be a stepping stone for him. I like both these hires, and I'm assuming same thing with Pete's as well, as I talked earlier, that these three hires could be reported as early as today, officially by the Seahawks. Mike McDonald continues to get the job done, bringing in experienced, proven coaches to go with his intriguing, untested coordinators on offense, defense, and special teams. Up next, I'm going to continue our free agent primers with Noah Fant. Came over in the Russell Wilson trade a few years ago. There have been flashes, but has he shown enough to justify bringing him back in 2024? Going to take a close look coming up next year on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. First, there's the 2024 Nissan Rogue. It's perfect for city drives and great escapes. And it also offers Google Assistant, Google Maps, Google Play Store, all built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. The 2024 Rogue, it's really the perfect midsize crossover for your next adventure. Or maybe you want to try out the 2024 Nissan Armada that will change what you expect from a full-size SUV. Picture a rugged 4x4 that can seat up to 8 in first-class luxury and style. You can tow bigger and explore further in the 2024 Armada. Take the Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. It's your host, Corbin Smith. A special thanks to each and every one of the 12s that are tuning in. And thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. While the Seahawks are still assembling their first staff under Mike McDonald, there's also plenty of attention being paid to pending free agents, negotiations going on behind the scenes to see if you can re-sign some players before free agency kicks off on March 13th. One of the players that may very well be in discussions with the Seahawks heading towards the start of the new league year is tight end Noah Fant, who came over in the Russell Wilson trade, former first-round pick from Iowa. And there have been flashes in his two seasons in Seattle. This year, he averaged 12.9 yards per reception. So he was able to create more chunk plays including a 50-plus yard reception against the New York Giants, where a lot of it was after the catch. He has shown the ability to create with the football in his hands when he has had opportunities. Unfortunately, the real problem has just been the lack of touches. Noah Fant has gone long stretches in Seattle's offense the last two years where he hasn't caught passes or he's had very limited opportunities. Some of that's the receivers around him. There's only one football. You've got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. This season, you had Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jake Bobo. You've also got another quality receiving tight end, Colby Parkinson. There's only so many touches to be had. And because of that, the numbers were down. Just 32 receptions, 414 yards, and Fant did not score a single touchdown this last season. So when you consider the stats, this does not sound like a player that you want to invest too much money in to bring back it. I don't know what the interest is going to look like. This may be one of the bigger wild cards of any of Seattle's upcoming unrestricted free agents because on one hand, 
You do have a player that has first-round pedigree. He has 4-5 speed. He can create after the catch. And I think he's improved a ton as a blocker the last two years. When he first came in the league out of Iowa, he was basically a glorified slot receiver. If you asked him to block in line, good luck with that. It just was a major struggle for him. And I'm not going to sit here and say that he's Will Disley type because he's not, but he is capable now of playing in line. You can play him as an H-back, and he's just much more physical than what he was when he first came into the league with the Broncos. So you consider those things and the fact that he's still a very young tight end, 26 years old, going to be 26 years old. This is a guy that could have plenty of interest in the market. They're going to be teams. They're going to look at him and say, hey, in our offense, he's going to get a lot more opportunities than what he did in Seattle. And we're willing to pay for what we believe is future production. I just don't know if that's necessarily going to happen, though, because this guy's career has been marred by inconsistency. He just it's been one big game and then two or three games where he doesn't provide much output as a receiver and I think a lot of it this past year had to do with the other receivers around him and Shane Waldron got away from really getting the tight ends involved in the passing game way too many times so I do think that there were some factors out of his control I do think he's got enough talent to be a 700 800 yard receiving tight end in the right offense the issue is going to be is that right offense going to be now in Seattle Ryan Grubb did use tight ends a fair amount at Washington he's got two of them that we talked about earlier this week that I believe are going to be drafted on day three. Jack Westover and Devin Cole both had really solid seasons as receivers. So he does have a track record of using tight ends in the passing game. That could make a player like Noah Fant more appealing if Ryan Grubb says, hey, he's going to be able to erupt more in this offense because of the way we're going to use him. Then that may be something that sways John Schneider towards trying to make something work. But this is going to be a player the only way he comes back is if it is a market-friendly uh, market deal. If he's going to free agency looking to become a top 10, top 15 paid tight end, I don't know that any team's going to pay him that kind of money anyway because the numbers just simply have not been there. You would be paying on upside and projections more than anything. But if he is the right price point and there's not necessarily a ton of interest, it's lukewarm out there, I still think this is a player that's got enough talent to really be a force as a receiving tight end. He just hasn't had ideal circumstances, whether in Denver, it was because the quarterback situation wasn't good. They had multiple offensive coordinators or in Seattle, you got all these other mouths to feed and there's just not a lot of opportunities. Tight ends not utilized as much as they should have been in the offense in the passing game. There have been factors out of his control and this is a guy that has played well when he's had his chances. So because of his youth, because of his athleticism, the fact that he has improved as a blocker, I do think there's a chance that Seattle could try to re-sign him, but it's really going to boil down to, is he going to be in the price range that they can afford? Because Seattle's got a lot of other big fish that they need to try to bring back, particularly on defense with Leonard Williams, Jordan Brooks. They're not going to have a lot of money to throw around for a tight end even though Noah Fant still has a lot of potential, still is a player that has shown those flashes of the first-round talent that made him a high pick out of Iowa. There just hasn't been enough consistent production to warrant giving him more than a one- or two-year deal that is in the 4 to $5 million range, maybe a little higher than that. I would not pay much more than that because the numbers have not been there, and Seattle's got so many other needs. This is also a draft class that's got a few quality tight ends, Seattle may be able to bolster that position with an affordable rookie contract or two as well. So at this point, if I had to make a prediction, 
I think no fan's going to get enough interest on the free agent market that Seattle's probably going to get priced out from what they are willing to pay. If that interest is not there on the market, though, I do think this is a player that John Schneider would like to bring back as long as the price fits their budget, which isn't how much for a tight end that, quite frankly, has not put up good enough numbers to warrant paying him top 10 or top 15 tight end money. It might be one of those prove-it type deals where – can you play really well for a year in this offense? And then maybe we're willing to invest in a longer-term deal. Another team may look at it that way as well. I just think he's going to have a harder time getting that long-term deal at decent tight end money because the production has not been there. Really one of the wild cards for the Seahawks as they head towards free agency. As always, you can follow me on X and Threads at Corbin Smith NFL. Make sure to follow and subscribe Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. When we come back on Monday, it's Mock Draft Monday. We're going to dive into some mailbag questions as well, a fan-driven Monday episode that will be coming your way. Hope you'll be listening in and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Go Hawks.